before we go ahead and get started with this episode, I just, um, for those of you who've journeyed with me through my years of inconsistency, rated, commented, shared my episodes this year, I thank you. <laughs> that's, that's all I got for you. Uh, if you haven't though, for shame, for shame. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But since you're already here, just, um, you're probably already listening on the platform that you could rate, comment, share, and subscribe. You know, I'm just saying, you know, no pressure, but just, you, you don't need your hands to listen. So just click, click, crack it away. You're already here. Anyway, I guess we can get started with the show. Just wanted to say that real quick. Hope you enjoy the episode. <laughs> Hey y'all, welcome to the Blank Project Podcast where we fill in the blank with whatever you want, need, and wherever you are. No judgment or expectations. I am your host, Aspen, aka AG. And just in case you were not aware, the Blank Project is not anything that was born in 2022. Look, this was born many years ago in Waco, Texas, before I had degrees. Um, and I was just throwing things at the wall. I was pretty ashamed. It wasn't the highest quality of audio, but I interviewed people. And one of those interviews I want to share with you today, or technically, I guess, reshare. I'm not going to do an extravagant intro because I simply am who I am because of the love between these two humans. But also because this episode was recorded really early on in my experience, the audio is a little shot. Um, edited the best that I can. But it doesn't matter if the meal is on China or a paper plate, the meal is still good, so eat it. Anyway, my parents met in the cafeteria of a church in Houston following a watch meeting service. By the time my mom asked my future uncle for his friend's number, my mom was informed that my dad had already secured the bag. They have spent their lives reconstructing and celebrating all of who they were to become who they are today as partners, parents, friends, and mentors. Their transparent love is evident to all that know them, and I'm glad, glad to be a product of their union. In honor of Throwback Thursday, which is a, like in this particular situation, kind of ironic because an episode was going to be uploaded on Thursday anyway, and the fact that they are celebrating uh, their wedding anniversary, um, I would like to encourage my Blank Project family uh, to celebrate with me. Because their love has made it another year. And at this point, they have known each other longer than they've been apart. And I just think that's really beautiful. I have nothing else to say except for happy anniversary. Uh, I love you both. And I hope you enjoy your trip. My parents, I don't know what y'all are doing. Okay. Where I after just high school, higher education wasn't an option. My primary goal was to make money because I had lived my life too long without it. Yeah. But my mother had a rule. By the first day of registration for college, you had to have a job. If you did not have a job, you had to go to school. I spent the first semester of college going to class, leaving class, going to look for a job. And I did that for 
a while. I bumped around, did a lot of different things, and I realized that what I wanted to do was not going to be achieved if I didn't have the education that I needed in order to accomplish the goal. So after being in a classroom setting where I was doing all of the work, but getting none of the money, I figured it was time to go to school and do what I needed to do. And in the process, fulfill both what God had called me to do and what was in my heart, which was simply to be an educator in every sense of the word. Uh, as a pastor, as a teacher, I would accomplish those goals that God had told me to accomplish. I was driven more because I wanted to take to provide for our family the best that I the best way that I know, right? Yeah. And that was my greatest struggle. Uh, why why was that a struggle? Because even though I knew that I needed to provide for the sake, do my best to, and my part for providing for the family. Um, I was afraid to not make money. I felt like I needed to have some source of income. Yeah. And faith said, Release it and God will bless it. Humanity said, God don't bless people that stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you have to actually work. Uh, blessings don't just show up. You have to put some effort behind it. So um, my struggle was balancing my faith with my flesh, yeah. with my effort, and not allowing my effort to be my bigger roadblock. Yeah. So I'm hearing a lot about how y'all's upbringing obviously influenced a lot of the ways that you saw money, a lot of the ways that you treated money. Um, and it's very interesting because I see, obviously, y'all are my parents, but I see a lot of myself in, in both of you. On one side, being really smart about how I put my money away or I try to when I have it, you know, but on the other side being like, if you don't have money or you don't have a job, like you got to do whatever you can to make some form of income for yourself. And if you don't have any form of income coming in for yourself, then like there's a bigger problem. It's a bigger issue. And it causes me like, like, I, I don't mean this in a dramatic way, but it causes me a lot of anxiety to yeah. think about like, like if I can't make a certain amount of income on my own and I need some type of assistance, I need help, or I have to ask y'all for something in my head, it's like, 
you're too grown for this, yada, yada, yada. You got to get it together. You got to, you know, you're, you know, you have one degree, like you shouldn't be in this situation. But also at the same time, like I'm hearing that, you know, y'all were at a really good, like y'all were at good places financially, but y'all also still had y'all's parents because y'all were like living, living with at them. home with them, both yeah. of us. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have to worry about dwelling because um, if, if I wasn't living on campus and using my scholarship or grant money to help pay those bills, I was at home commuting. The school was close enough for me to finish out my undergrad uh, degree by commuting for a couple of semesters or a semester from home, from my parents' home to Huntsville, mm -hmm. which is where mm -hmm. I went to school, Sam Houston. And uh, so I didn't have uh, residence to pay for. However, I did need gas money and money for food. So my last semester, my senior year at Sam Houston, I got a job at the local grocery store. I just walked in and by that time, daddy and I were already dating. And he, we talked so much about faith. And this particular day, we had just finished talking about Mark 11, 24. And I said, you know, I never utilized scripture like that. I never had the faith to for reading the scripture and being passionate about having some type of income so I could get back and forth to school my last semester and, and graduate was important. I was yeah. very passionate about that because <laughs> I was at the finish line. I wanted to complete it. So I took that. I just finished devoting that morning, reading that scripture. I went to the local grocery store and I asked to speak to the manager and I approached him because faith without works is dead, right? Right. And I had the faith, so I was putting my works in place. And so I said, sir, blah, 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 yada, yada. <laughs> you need me to do this job and I need a job. And I promise you I will do my best job. I have experience here from Randall's. I have experience here as a cashier. If you hire me today, you won't be disappointed. I don't know what impressed this man about me, or maybe that, you know, maybe God was just illuminating all over me or in my voice, but he hired me right then and there on the spot, and I got the job, and I just figured it was a God thing because I needed that money to divide my last semester at Tan Easton, and uh, it really worked out, and yeah, I think in times of need, we do what we have to do yeah. as people. We uh, we do the best we can, and me just coming into the knowledge of faith, like like I was uh, introduced to, I just thought, well, you know, nothing beats failing but trying, and, and I have to try, and I just put it to work, and it, God bless it, and that's all I can say. So when you guys are coming together, we're happy whatever engaged i mean we're here i really like y'all's wedding story yeah not necessarily because like the actual wedding even though that's really great and we used to watch the video all the time right but like <laughs> how daddy like 
how y'all utilize y'all's resources, like daddy making the floral floral arrangements and stuff like that, and doing all of those. Oh things. yes, yes, yes. I love to tell like those parts of the story. Okay. Because I think they're so cute. Because a lot of like now, you know, people will spend like twenty k on a people on a spend a lot of money on weddings now, and the fact that your father at the time worked for he worked for Southern Floral, mm-hmm. and he was so admired there, respected, till he got the flowers we needed at a ridiculous discount fresh flowers for our wedding and uh the coordinator was uh i think she's a national gospel artist now rhonda rhonda williams she choreographed our wedding and i knew her as a child because i used to sing in the family choir Mm -hmm. and she her father and her whole family uh, basically orchestrated the the manifestation of a family choir. So we all knew each other yeah. in the gospel world. Yes. And she basically uh, choreographed, she coordinated our wedding for little to nothing. And I think our entire wedding cost us probably $3,100. See, and that's back in like 1993. Which, I mean, that is pretty amazing. Yeah. Like, people can. I'm like, if people are just like, ask me, you're going to have some big elaborate wedding? And I was like, I saw my parents get married for like basically nothing. Yeah. I'm not doing that. Right. <laughs> right. It, it's the, you use your gifts. Yeah. Um, I did not understand why I took an interest in learning how to make the bouquets and the flower arrangement. Didn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, while I was working at a wholesale, flower company because I basically told myself I'm not going to use this for anything. Right. Um, however, when it was time for the wedding ceremony, I was able to not ask anyone to do anything. Yeah. I was able to do it myself, which saved us a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and that's the way God does things like that. He takes what you're considering a waste of time mm-hmm. and he converts it to a blessing for the future. So whatever you're going through at the moment is really setting, is really a seed that you're planting that can be used in the future. So and I guess what it is, I believe what the Bible says, don't despise small beginnings yeah. because they're the doors. They are the doors to greatness. So it's okay to, to struggle at the, at the beginning. And it's even okay to struggle in the process. But don't lose sight of the goal. Okay, so now we're past the wedding. Now it's time to do the hard work. Oops, y'all are married in real life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no okay (laughs) so y'all know well i guess y'all know in marriage counseling i've never been there okay but like when they talk they like i've read a lot of books on recently on marriage in one specific chapter this one book that i read this summer was talking about finances and the conversations that you guys should have about finances so even though y'all are kind of similar, 
there's ways that y'all kind of see money. Like me observing you as I've grown older, it's like kind of different between the two of you. Yeah. So yeah. was it's very different. So yeah. like, was it difficult to get to a middle ground when y'all were like one unit? Or like, are y'all still struggling now? Like how no. did y'all kind of battle this conversation, the conversation about finances? Because a lot of people don't like to talk about finances right. at all. But we had to talk about them. And I think uh, we had our hardest struggle in the beginning. Because although your father, when we met, was very good at managing our money, Mm -hmm. like when we were dating, whatever we made that was extra aside from what we needed to live on, we put it together. He had opened up a savings for us. And so I gave him my first check from the the first professional job I had. And he put that away in the savings and he put his money away in the savings. So that was our little nest egg for our, toward our wedding. And that's how we started off financially. And things worked fine. Whenever we went out, we, uh, he mostly paid for everything, but we shared so much. Yeah. If he needed something and I had it, he knew he had it. He just, whenever there was a need for us to come together, we came together without any problem because it was like, this is us. This is, this is our union and we're going to work together. And so that really was a blessing. And I trusted him with everything. So whatever I had extra, he, he put it away for us. And he did the same with his money. Um, when we first got married, I had, I did have a really great job, mm-hmm. uh, professional job. And so we came into all this money and I think dad got a little excited. So uh, we had to put uh, the brakes on our spending because um, I reconciled a checkbook, but things weren't adding up. Mm-hmm. And so what we decided to do as a couple is implement checks and balances. Whatever he took out of the bank, I asked him to give me receipts for so I could reconcile the bank book since Mm -hmm. we shared an account. And that's how we started off in the beginning. Yeah. Um, And our financial situation has evolved over the past 26.5 years. Because um, recently, now that we have a family on two incomes, what uh, your dad would have these great ideas about saving money and they really work. And so he left me in charge of managing his plans. Mm-hmm. And so I would do that. He said, Regina, put this much away, put this away, put that away. And that's what I did. And you'd be surprised at how that added up just recently. He said, look, I know that the financial base of our home is, is strained because we've got us and the kids, so technically five people on our dime. So what we, what you do, say ten dollars per paycheck, and you watch how, and don't touch it because you'll you'll burn ten dollars. Yeah. And so he said, put ten dollars away per paycheck. That's his paycheck and my paycheck, mm-hmm. and that added up so quick within a month's time. It was just amazing. So I got excited. So I just kept doing it, and it really worked out. So what that does, it creates resources for you. Yeah. So in the event there is a shortfall somewhere in the future, you have that little nest egg that you can kind of grab from and use it 
without having to go borrow something from a bank or use a credit card if you don't have to. It really helps. So yeah, that has good financial planning. But um, I like the fact that he allows me to strategically manage that plan. Because it helps you all stay on like one accord and keep each other accountable. Yeah. And then you don't have all the pressure of all the finances being on one person's shoulder. Right. Really, one thing that I've learned is um, we had to establish a plan that worked for our house. Yeah. which was simply um, she manages the finances for the house because of my position with the church it allowed me to use that as my weekly allowance um, and the paycheck that I get from the school district it goes into the housing account mm -hmm. and I try my best not to touch the housing account unless I'm absolutely and yeah. Um, the other thing, the reason why we were having problems with the past is because I still have a bad habit of if I'm not careful, I will use the car that she gets to give her the receipt. Mm -hmm. And she is a person who keeps records. Yeah. Um, she loves the records. Yeah. She's got to have a record. I'm and so, um, so I've gotten better about. If I use the card, give them the receipts immediately. If I don't put them in her hand, I leave them on a nightstand mm -hmm. so that she can see it before she goes to bed. Um, but no, I, I do the best I can not to use the housing account. Now, I pick up some things around the house that need to be picked up, and I don't discuss them because it doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> you know? All of the big things are being taken care of and we're going about our business. We had each of us are carrying a load that's necessary. Okay. Yeah. You yeah. talked about how your spending was better when you were single as opposed to being married. Is that because you have more responsibilities as a man of the house? Or because you just had a bunch of daughters and they need a bunch of things? No. Uh, my spending habits were better when I was single because of the fact that I was in, I had a one-track mind. Uh, I set a goal for myself, and I just moved toward that goal. Um, the thing that changed was when you get married, you can have a goal for yourself, but you also have to have a goal for your house, and it has to be discussed and agreed upon and you have to create a, a discipline that causes you to reach that goal. Um, early on in the marriage, out of spite, I developed some habits because I was going, you're not going to tell me how to do what I'm doing. <laughs> And then you dig yourself into a hole, and then now you have to work your way out of hole. Yeah. Because you're saying you're not gonna tell me how to do. And because you create those bad habits, yeah, you have to live. You have to get out of them. You have to read them. You have to restructure yourself. Yeah. To where you go, is this a necessary purchase 
ideas this an emotional person. And if it is an if it is an emotional person, walk away from it. Yeah. If it is a necessary person, okay, make it. Now, do I sometimes buy things that I want? Of course. Um, because I had to remind myself, there's no pleasure in working if you don't reap any other benefits. Right. Buy yourself those cufflinks, or in your case, the towel set. <laughs> <laughs> cufflinks too. Cufflinks oh, too. I do cufflinks and towels yeah. in the heart. Today I bought spray paint. That was for me. Oh, congratulations. What spray paint for what? Never Yeah. You know, we do things, you, you do the things that make you feel good about you. Yeah. And then where, where other people don't recognize it as being something that makes you feel good about you. It's all about what satisfies you. It's all about what makes you content. If, if you don't see the value in what, you, in what you're putting your money in, then it's really not valuable at all. For me, whenever I see my wife happy, I've done a good thing. And I see our kids need being met and then some of the wants being met, I've done a good thing. But you're lucky. Your, your kids don't really want much. No, they don't. And <laughs> and a lot of it a, a lot of it is because um it it amazes me how intelligent you guys are, how you were listening when I was teaching the lesson, and how you guys managed much better than I managed at y'all age. Yeah. You know. And we could also still say that we want to manage even better. But I think we're just hard on ourselves. Like when, we're just it's a lot of type A personalities that do Yes, in this home there are we there are many type A's, you know. Uh you know, I think I'm the only type B in the house. Boy, get on so Barely. You can flip it. You know, there are moments where you have there are moments where you have to be type A because if you don't, um things can get out of control. Yeah. I mean, so even though you have to give people room to develop who they are. As the leader of the home, you have to sometimes say, but that's not the direction that you've been taught to go in yeah. or you're being your best interest. Right. And then the past, it used to be, do it my way or you're going to have an issue. Yeah. Well, I learned that's not the most effective way to do it with the, with the children that God has graced us with. Yeah. Um, our children learn so much better when they're given the information and they're allowed to assess the decision for themselves. And y'all, you, you shock me sometimes, but I'll be like, okay, Lord, thank you. You know, <laughs> appreciate it. You're welcome. Yeah. Now, um, 
that y'all are not on Twitter, and that's perfectly fine. But one mm-hmm. argument, well, kind of, but not really. You like follow Team Jakes. You don't even tweet. <laughs> I, what I, I mean, tweet tweeting is something that I'm learning. Oh my gosh! Time. Don't even. We're not even. <laughs> no, that's... I did. I posted something one time, and it did not post right. And everybody, <laughs> and everybody was laughing at me because I was saying, "Did y'all see my Twitter?" And they say, "You didn't put nothing up." <laughs> <laughs> see, okay. I said, but then I put it on Facebook. It worked, so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna stick to Facebook. I got um, so <laughs> one common, one frequent conversation that happens among Black Twitter, which is the Black community of Twitter. Yeah. Um is this idea that if like one person making more money than the other and how it's like traditionally supposed to be like the man makes the most money he's not a real man if he's not bringing in all this money i just don't think that that's realistic no uh, it's, it's and i also i i think i have to acknowledge the fact that the way that i view money in relationships and the dynamic is kind of against the grain of what other people would consider gender norms because you know mama was like worked a lot more mm-hmm. and then daddy took us to our doctor's appointments which mm-hmm. like by society standards is supposed to be the complete opposite mm-hmm. situation but I think it helps us I think it, it helps us as your children but also us as like human beings be able to like have a more healthy idea of what's going on so for people that kind of bring up this whole idea that like the, the man has to make the most money or this is and the third or it messes up the dynamic of the home. What is like some advice or some points that you would bring to that conversation if they were willing to listen? Because usually it's the ignorant people making that argument. Personally, I would say in a marriage, with children, get in where you fit in. Learn to be versatile. Learn to juggle. Um, I mean, you guys were small and coming up. I took you to most of your well visits mm-hmm. as babies. Yep. When you got sick, I was the one leaving the office mm-hmm. coming to be your nurse or doctor. When you got older, you were more manageable by your father. He could take you to your phys- your activities at school yeah. and your eyeglass appointments. Right. That's more like, okay, you're at the age to where you don't need to be cuddled all day. Because mm-hmm. men aren't good at that. <laughs> but women love that kind of stuff. We thrive on it. We're nurturers. That's what we do. So when you were little, it was more befitting for me to care for you. When you got older, yeah, more befitting the, for dad. The post-doctor food was always better than you take yourself. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's just the thing that, you it's know, super some of us like to do. <laughs> Um, and and to further elaborate I mean dad and I have always kind of traded responsibilities we just wherever it was necessary for for one of us to do this and the other one couldn't we just filled those gaps wherever we could I mean there were nights when he sat up with me because I was just so tired yeah and there were nights when he couldn't, he had to go to work and I sat up with you. Yeah. Um, there were there are days when he he makes dinner mm-hmm. because I'm not home yet. <laughs> or and there are days when I can have a meal prepared 
and it's okay. Yeah. Uh, there was even this one instance where he actually had to comb y'all's hair. And it wasn't church, that bad. And it was actually a good thing. I'm like, wow, my husband combed hair? That looks really good. <laughs> I told you. Life experiences lays the foundation for your future. Growing up in a mate, growing up in our home, I had a niece who wanted to go with her Uncle Reese everywhere. So since she wanted to go with Uncle Reese everywhere, you're not born everywhere. Looking any type of looking way. Looking any kind of way. <laughs> so I had to learn how to comb her hair so my beautiful niece could hang out with her Uncle Reese. Yeah. Little did I know that I was really practicing for the day that I would have my own daughter who had to go with me because not out of want, but out of necessity. Yeah. So they needed to be presentable. Um we would you would mentioning the ideology of the man having to make the most money in the house. And that's really more of a control the ideal of control. There's a movie, I can't remember the name of the movie, but it has uh, Anthony Hopkins and Cuba uh, Gooden Jr. And one of the lines in the movie is that control is an illusion. And if you live your life believing that you have control, then what you're living your life, the way that you're living your life, you're living your life with an illusion or you're living your life delusional thinking that you're controlling anything. Yeah. You have to know that there's balance and you have to learn how to maintain the balance. So yes, your mother's experience and her education opened doors for her. Yeah. Your mother has been an accountant since she was a teenager. She graduated with her degree and history. So when she started on her job, she started on a job as a as a as a graduate of the University of Sam Houston, but she graduated with experience in the oil and gas industry. Yeah. So that's money that I wouldn't have, that I didn't have because number one, all of my jobs were so varied. That yeah. there was no consistent history and nothing in the field where I was. No history in education. I avoided it as much as I could because I um, didn't really initially have the patience to deal with children. Yeah. Um, so I realized that, yes, anyone that talks about the idea of the man having to be the, the major breadwinner is really a person who's more concerned about the control issue because now you're, you're saying to a person who uh, wants to use the funds a certain way, no, because I brought this into the house. If it's really a team effort, yeah, it doesn't matter how it arrives. It's in the house. As long as it's in the house, the right. goal has to be: what is the vision? Where are we trying to go? Right. How? When were we trying to get there? That has to be the primary focus of how you're managing your money. 
You know, that, that gives you so much peace when you take off the table who brought it in yeah. and put on the table what's the objective for it. Right. How are we going to use this thing? Right. Again, I've always considered um, what I was taught by my mentor uh, that money is a tool yeah. that if it is not properly managed, yeah. it's dangerous too. Sure. But if you use it properly, it will be it will create the best, the greatest benefits. Right. So that's the way I look at money. If I manage the tool correctly, I'm always be content. Right. You know, and so when your mom and I sit down and talk, something I listen to. And I will agree, but if I if I don't agree, I express my grievance, and she knows that if I'm expressing a grievance, I don't agree with it <laughs> because I've learned we don't need to argue about finances. Yeah, finances will take care of themselves if we properly apply. Right, and whenever your father and I come together on those discussions mm -hmm. about economics and finances, there's always the objective of what's appropriate for our home, our living, for everyone to achieve their goals and there be no pressure. So at the end of the day, the conversation ends up with our objectives and the manifestation of that conversation on my part being the manager of the household for our finances is to handle the, the what's incoming properly as to create resources so that Aspen can finish her goal in a year, Mariah can finish her goal in three years. Whenever uh, uh, an emergency comes up in the house, Daddy and I will have the resources to handle that mm -hmm. without asking anyone for money or going outside of the home trying to borrow from the bank. Mm -hmm. We've already managed our money to the point to where we may not have much in the savings, we may not have an influx in the checkings, but we have created resources personally within our home to grab from in the event we need to handle some situations, yeah. if you will. Um, what's one piece of advice that you would offer um, the listeners who are uh, single? I'm gonna I'm gonna umbrella single under like single like dating someone seriously, but y'all not aren't engaged till marriage, like all of that. Like, what's a one piece of advice that you would give them regarding finances or them feeling apprehensive about how to go about saving money or like creating better spending habits and things like that? Well, um, number one, I would say you have a job. That's good. If you don't get one, <laughs> number two, whatever you make, um, set aside uh, a percentage of that income as to pay yourself mm -hmm. because the rest will probably be allocated for rent or for more wherever you live mm -hmm. 
for food, for gas, getting back and forth, and for entertainment as well. But set aside something that you know that you're not going to touch on a bi-weekly or a monthly or weekly basis, however you get paid. Set it aside. If you have credit cards, you have a credit line, that's good. Put that aside too and only use it when you have to. Don't use it for restaurants if you can get around that. Or if you do, go ahead and as soon as you get paid, um, allocate that into your budget as to pay that right back. Because credit card companies make money off your interest accrued on the balances on those cards. And that's how they get paid. So yeah, they're going to give you a high credit limit if your income says you can afford that because they want you to charge it up because the profit comes to them from the interest accrued on those balances. So only use credit cards as emergencies. And when you do have to use them, make sure you can pay those back within a substantial amount of time. Uh, shorter, the shorter time, the better. The point is credit, credit card, credit cards are not bad. A credit line is not bad, but it's how you manage it. Um, you want to make sure your FICA score is good. Mm-hmm. 700 and above is on your way to excellence credit. That way, when you get ready to buy a home or buy that car you want or to put your child in this preparatory school, you've got decent enough credit to where people will say, okay, I can trust these folks with a mortgage loan yeah. or I can trust these folks with a car loan because they have a great FICA score. They pay their bills on time. As soon as they can, they pay their balances down very to a minimum. That's those are the goals that you want for your future. Let's dispel the uh, the stereotypes that African Americans have bad credit. No, not every African American. They just need. I live in proof. They just need training. They just need an understanding of how to utilize those resources, and that's. That's where it is. Because truth be known, Daddy and I don't have a lot of cash flow that's not accounted for. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know our personal story. Five people on two incomes. Okay, that's a lot in this day and age. Yes, it is. However, you know, we've created resources to where the FICA score is good. Now, granted, lately, it's, it's dwindling down the other way, which I don't like. But we're going to fix that in a year, right? Yes, we're on the We're going to fix that in a year. <laughs> but okay, that's my advice. Do you have anything to add? Are you good? She told you everything. Y'all, one unit. Um, one band, one side. You, you're, yeah, you're one band, one side. <laughs> um, the exciting part also is when you begin to work your financial plan, be realistic. Yeah. Don't don't set goals that are so far out of reach that when you don't reach them, you feel like a a failure. Um, You can set the goal as high as 
10% of your paycheck to as low as uh, 2% of your paycheck. You know, it doesn't matter, but set the goal that I'm not going to spend everything just to spend everything. Um, I know that as a believer, I would say, trust God as he teaches you to manage what he's asking you for. He, he made a promise to you that if you give, if you invest in me, he will invest in you. So it says, give me a tenth of the kingdom and I'll bless your mind. Yeah. Um, uh, so my encouragement to any couple that are dating, number one, don't put your money together. No, if your names are not the same. Okay. Um, number two, if you have an intent on getting married, sit down and discuss and have a clear understanding of how each other see what you're saying that you're going to accomplish. Yeah. Number three, once you make the commitment, make the commitment. Fight every temptation not to be sensitive. And by that, I mean, if you guys say that we're going to save $20 to $30 a month, no matter what's happening, say that $20 or $30 a month. That might mean that instead of going out on that date this weekend, you might have to put that aside and go out on a, a bigger date in two more weeks. Okay, but because the objective is your future, not just this moment. Yeah. Because when you live in a moment, you live in a way that restricts us. But if you live for our future, you live in a way that is, that expands and makes us great. Yeah. Because our goal is not to just be who we are. Our goal is to be so much better than we are yeah. that those that we encounter are excited about the revelation that who I am is only temporary, but who I'm going to become is extraordinary, and I can't wait to see that finish done. Yeah, who I am right now is a broke boy. Who I am in the future is going to be extraordinary yeah. And rich. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, facts. You, big I don't facts. know who they were. Uh, uh, they say that then they didn't want me. Now I'm not there. I own me. <laughs> so that was like a good that was directly word for word what the song says yeah, you did so, a good job okay so, but see you gotta understand if you don't take care of that then you're gonna stay back then yeah you have to see where you want to go yeah and so change your future change your destiny it doesn't matter where you begin it matters how you feel. Okay. I think that's a great, that's a good place for us to end. You guys dropped a lot of gems. I'm really grateful for y'all being so transparent and honest with me and my listeners. Um, they don't really have like social media for y'all to follow because that's normally what we would do. 
However, if you're in the Houston area and you're looking for a church home or you're looking for pseudo parents or somebody to love <laughs> on you, like pseudo parents as in people to pray over you and stuff yes, like that. Always. And stuff like that. Uh, you can always, my parents are at Victor My Bethel Missionary Baptist Church on 11427 East Texas Freeway in Houston, Texas. Swing on by on Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7. You can also Google us. We have numbers you can call and uh, message us, all that good stuff. Um, once again, I want to thank y'all. Y'all are awesome. You can really Oh, yeah. And you can visit us at the church's website, which is www.allowercasevictoryvictory.org. All of our information is there. All places to come in contact with us are there. Our email is there. A map is there. Everything that you need right there. So thank you again for listening. And I can't wait for our next project. Bye-bye.